What's the purpose of the world that we live in? It seems like it's pretty majestic, but is it all just because of happenstance and coincidence, or is there an almighty God in control? Hey, this is Pastor Isaac, and welcome to the Youth Ministry Podcast. This is the second part of our four-part mini-series on the questions that worldview is designed to address. Previously, we looked at the question of what is our nature and that we're made in the image of God as the crowning glory of his creation. Today, we're going to ask this question, what is our world? What is the world that we live in? What is it designed for? Who's ultimately in control if anybody's in control? What's the purpose of our lives? Are we just kind of moving forward and floating about in time? Or is there a unique purpose that we are set aside for? These are the questions we're going to be addressing today, and I'm looking forward to jumping in and talking about this with you. How we answer this question is incredibly important because it truly does filter down through and impact every single area of our lives, what we believe to be true, what we believe to be right, what we believe to be wrong. For instance, if in answering the question, what is our world, we determine that the world just is, that we came into being by random happenstance and coincidence then what happens is that we realize that there's nobody truly to hold me accountable or to tell me what's right and wrong. So I should be able to do whatever I want to do without consequence. And so we practically live like that. We kind of, we do what we want. We don't want to offend some people, but we don't really know why we don't want to offend some people or, or whatever. And so we end up making decisions that fill us with guilt and anxiety and and pressure, but we don't understand why, because that we shouldn't be experiencing that if we live in a world where God isn't in control. Well, God would say, I am in control and that I am the definer of what's right and what's wrong. And I have created everything in this world to reveal who I am and to reveal my attributes. David writing in the Psalms would say this in Psalm 19, that the heavens proclaim the glory of God and the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak and night after night, they make him known. Other places in scripture, we see this truth where Jesus declared, he said, he said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father but through me. That's in John 14, 6. And in John 8, 32, Jesus says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we're going to face many conflicts and many difficulties from a variety of sources when we begin to think like this. And one of the greatest areas of conflict in our entire culture is that of the role of science in the world that we live in. Because certainly the entire educational system is set up to say that science itself is ultimately the definer of everything and determines what is and what isn't. And so, This question was actually posed to a really intelligent man named Ravi Zacharias, who has dedicated his whole life to answering tough questions about the way that Christianity can be defended or the way that it can't be defended. And he was asked 
isn't science ultimately going to be able to answer all the questions we would have and push away the need entirely for God? And I want you to listen in briefly here on his response. Today at lunch, we're having an interesting conversation with a total skeptic. And now uh, my friend Sanj, another friend Jared who's here, were in the audience and they were in the discussion at lunch. And this other gentleman, you know, looked at a kind of a scientific single vision for life too, is going to explain it all, although he had studied philosophy. And he went on to say, he said, no, you know, I love these two guys. I love Sanj and I love Jared. I said, wait a minute. What scientific theory defines love for you? You have just made a philosophical assertion, not a scientific assertion. Is there any objective point of reference for the definition of love? These are metaphysical propositions. And Michael Polanyi, the great philosopher of science, in his life, life work called Personal Knowledge, which was a required text in the philosophy of science for years and years and years. You go into any philosophy of science professor's room and you will see Michael Polanyi's book there uh, sitting front and center. And he warned scientists not to make the cardinal blunder of thinking that science is going to explain everything. For example, if you're a scientist and you're in the laboratory and you're doing your experimentation looking for a scientific single vision of life, here's my question for you. What scientific imperative tells you that you must be honest in your findings? That's not a scientific argument. That is a philosophical argument, an argument of why you should be truthful. Do we expect are scientists to tell the truth? Do we expect the findings to be revealed as truth? Science may get us to many, many hills that we can climb and arrive at, but the ultimate question of life is going to be one of meaning and purpose and loving relationships. That will not come to you from a scientific single vision of life. That's why the founder of the Goddard Institute of Space, Robert Jastrow, is known so well for that famous statement in his book, God and the Astronomers, where he said, for the scientist who's been living by this dream of his, that he's going to arrive at all of the answers, in, in, uh, going to arrive, arrive at all of these answers by science alone, that dream is going to end as they climb higher and higher and higher up the mountain and they scale up right to the top to think they've found the final answer and they might well be greeted by a band of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries. So you can see that science ultimately just doesn't even have the capacity to answer all of the questions about what is our world, what's the world we live in, what's right, what's wrong. Uh, it just simply doesn't have the ability to do it. And likewise, other religions don't have the ability to be consistent in the answers that they give and to really provide the depth of insight that our souls search for and that really we're designed to know. They don't answer the questions that God wants us to be asking, that he's excited to give us the answers to. So here's what he reveals as an answer to the question of what is our world? Our world is ultimately designed to reveal who God is and how much he loves us. And ultimately this works out in the person 
of Jesus Christ and how he came to this world willingly obeying his father so that he could die to forgive us for our sins so that he could pay the penalty of the sin that we commit every single day so that he could define what was right and what was wrong so that we could know truth and that by knowing that truth we could be set free from the shackles that tie us down when we don't know what the truth is. The Apostle Paul, who knew Jesus and who taught his word regularly, would say this in Ephesians 2 verses 8. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God wants to do incredible things in and through our lives. But when we answer this question of what is our world, we have to see that our world is designed to reveal the glory and the majesty of God. And our purpose in the world is to do that, to live out a relationship with Jesus, to share with the people around us the truth of what is right and what is wrong, and ultimately the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And by doing that, we can transform the entire world. But as we develop a Christian worldview, and as we answer this question of what is our world, the key thing to know is that our world is ultimately governed by a God who loves us infinitely. And so no matter what we go through, no matter how we go through it, we can have peace and joy and hope because of what Jesus has done through us. Hey, this is Pastor Isaac. Thank you so much for tuning in to part two of our questions that Worldview addresses. And I hope to see you again for the next episode.